You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Greetings. Hello. Salutations. Hello. Bongiorno. Bongiorno. Did that recently, but I don't care. We did, and I, I don't either. Throw it in there just because <laughs> I can't help myself. That's true. Yeah, it's all fine. All going well? Yeah, all, all is going well. All going well for you. As far as I know, it is. That's great. Yep, as per usual. Mm, I'm getting new brakes today. Ah. Oh. Mm. Hopefully, that's all I'm getting. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I recently had to get new tires and new brakes on my car. That was two or three months ago. Mm, I remember the last time I got a new tire. It's when I popped yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> boy, oh boy, was that an adventure. Ride out that spare, you know? Yeah. Man. I'll say, though, nothing quite makes you feel more equipped than I am extremely, utterly isolated and must change this tire. <laughs> there's, not an, there's not an alternative. Yep, no, yeah, you have to do it. Yeah. So I can't say, like, hey, AAA, here's where I am in the wilderness. Yeah. It's, I no can't, cell service. No. So you just Forget have to that. do it. It's it, like, could you survive? <laughs> yeah, you can do it. You know you can now. Yeah. Exactly, out. exactly. But break time in. Yeah. I'm concerned that I will also need rotors. So Yeah. It's going to be a fun little surprise today. Yeah. Or hopefully, truly a fun little surprise and that I only need brakes. That's it. And they're like, yeah, that's all. That's all. Brakes and yeah. rotors. Nice and simple. Yeah. Because if you don't, that's no fun. No. If it's more than that. Sometimes I'm so paranoid about this and yet haven't addressed it. Isn't that cool? Probably a sermon illustration. Um, <laughs> Like sometimes they'd be like, I wonder how, like, I'll like test the brakes. I'm like, does that feel good? Does that feel adequate? <laughs> Did yeah. slow me down appropriately? Guess the, they're fine. The point that like you're having to ask that, <laughs> you can feel it. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. It's just the noise sometimes. And yeah. it only happens. Here's the thing. And this is going to be very annoying for anyone who's like mechanically inclined. They're like, you idiot. How long have you? Yeah. <laughs> I know. You're right. <laughs> That I'll get some, like, I feel like squeal is really overstating it. You know, just some squeak. Just some audio feedback mm -hmm. of, a, of a kind. Only when I break from backing up after it's been parked for an extended period of time. So, like, first thing in the morning as I back out of the garage and break that first time, you hear it. And that's it. Never again until I have that same scenario. But I'm like... That's a sign. Surely. <laughs> like, how long can I say? Something. How long can I say? Oh, that's probably brake dust. Like, <laughs> brake dust. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually not that. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm going to get them changed. That's the moral. That's a good <laughs> New brakes. Everyone who's listening is like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> this is not about to become a solo podcast. No. Because I went careening off the side. <laughs> oh. Ethan could not uh, make it today. He's stuck in a ditch somewhere and we're, uh, we're just going to press on without him. <sighs> no, no, we are not. That's good. It's always unfortunate when you have to pay yeah, it is. money to do that sort of maintenance because, you know, it costs stuff. But it it's Be uh, better than your life. Better than that, yes. And better than having to put off the maintenance and then accruing more things yeah. you have to pay for. Yeah, very true. You know? Very true. That's uh, I had that thought going to the doctor recently when I... Uh, I got a tick bite and, yeah. you know, it was like, oh, that's like, I've got, I've got limes, you know, I've got to go do that and caught it early. So, you know, obviously everything's fine, but like, you know, you have to pay a little bit. It was like, oh, I have to pay for the prescription and the doctor visit. Yeah. I thought, but you know what? That's mm. much better than getting super sick and then having to go to the hospital later oh, and that's thousands better. Out, yeah. Like, woof, you know, yeah. like you just got to think in those terms, you know, yeah. got to think in those terms. So mm. whatever it may be, but on a completely different note, <laughs> unless your brakes miraculously, you yeah, know, that'd be fun. Repair. They're just like, oh, they just, they work better now. Look they work at, fine. Look at that. There's no sign of wear. Yeah, like, cool. Amazing. Love, love to hear that. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, one of the more common points of contention with regard to the Christian faith has to do with 
miracles, right? Yeah. I, I think it's safe to say, I'm making an assertion without much of an argument, I understand that, but I think it's a safe assertion that we live in a largely disenchanted naturalist world. Sure. It is a hard time stomaching the idea of the supernatural as a real life possibility. You know, it can be fun in a TV show or a movie or what have you, <laughs> but especially like the new atheism of the mid-aughts, they just simply have no frame of reference for the actuality of something like miracles. Mm. You know? Yeah, I even think like just to, just to broaden this net of criticism. I mean, I come from a faith background. I right. I do believe in the idea of, of the supernatural as a real life possibility, and I can also understand the skepticism. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, is that what happened? Like, yeah. I'm not really sure. My first instinct is to believe someone. Sure. Right off the cuff, but at the end of the day, I, I'm not closing the door to that. Mm-hmm. It's like this weird gray area where I have, I think, more skepticism than I ought. Sure. Truthfully. But then it's like, I don't know, I could do with a a healthier understanding. (laughs) Well, also, and this isn't the topic of the episode here, this episode could be a whole book. C.S. Lewis wrote a whole book on miracles, from which I am taking a lot of my cues here. But even the purpose of miracles, I think, sometimes gets misplayed. Sure. Even in Christian circles. Mm -hmm. It's like miracles end up serving a function that they weren't meant. Yeah to serve. Like, even when you're reading in the Gospels, all the miracles Jesus did, those miracles serve the purpose of reinforcing his teaching. <sighs> that's why he came. He said, I came to preach yeah. the kingdom of God. Mm. But again, that's a whole other topic. But sure. there is, I think, sometimes that messes with our understanding of yeah. how miracles work and what they are and yeah. how we're supposed to approach them. We have this like self-serving sort of like, I would like a free ticket out of a tough spot. Yeah, that's exactly right. We want it to be a deus ex machina yeah. situation there. Yeah. And there is a certain sense in which you could say, oh, a miracle might be that, but I actually even want to say that's a, yeah. an improper understanding of miracles. Oh, I'm ready to hear it. I, so, I need a restructure of yeah, this understanding. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So uh, maybe that'll be a more specific topic for another podcast episode on miracles because yeah. what we're talking about today is more or less like, are they actually, like, is it reasonable to believe in miracles? Mm. Like, should we reject them outright as an impossibility or as unreasonable. Like that's just ridiculous as a concept. Okay. Because this has also been a testing point within Christianity itself. Sure. Beyond the kind of thing you're talking about. Yeah. Because many, unfortunately, now dying denominations in an attempt to accommodate this sort of broad, disenchanted, scientific, and I put that in scare quotes because, you know, science is a friend of the truth. Yeah. It's But there's a, like, maybe the better term would be scientism. That's mm. like, again, it just takes empirical data and says that's all there is you know what i mean like well that's no you can't you know that's (laughs) that's not right but it takes that worldview and it decided it would be apropos to ditch miracles from our faith to accommodate that Mm. so in other words you know you get no virgin birth oh okay yeah yeah like no physical resurrection of jesus stuff like that like all of that anything you read that would be what we would consider miraculous in our faith out out of the picture. Is, wasn't this like the Jeffersonian move? Like he stripped it? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He Weird was, move guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, very much a product of secularist. And I don't mean secularist as in like even necessarily like hostile to religion. Right. But secularist is in like no transcendental framework thinking mm, of the Enlightenment. The material world. Is yeah. Again. Yeah. It's like all there is is the material world. Yeah. And even at, at first glance it might look like we lose nothing of importance by ditching the miracles from our faith. Like if you just cursory scan, right? I've heard people say like, well, it's just like chucking the the husk from the corn, you know, because you're going to keep the essence of the thing. And what 
I want to at least put before our minds today is that that is not at all the case. If we ditch the miracles, you just end up ditching Christianity. You just have another religion. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I would actually hazard a guess that like demystifying the miracles of scripture, this seems like something that would be popular amongst the classic heresies that we've talked about. Yeah. Actually, because I I look back at some of our notes for the miniseries and Mm -hmm. I noticed like you have the Ebionites who denied the virgin birth Mm -hmm. and Christ's divine nature. You have have Arius who overcorrects to the point of claiming the Christ was was not eternal but created. Yes. So, like, this is, like, hardly new. Right. Yes, that is a great observation that there is a sense in which I think the human mind, heart, is greatly disturbed by the miraculous. Yeah. Like, we're disturbed, and we yeah. we have to find some way to we reconcile to, that. To pin it down in yeah. some sort of explanation. Yeah, because otherwise it's the the fright of something beyond us mm, can't that, can, that can then break in. Yeah. So it's like if kids were playing a game of hide-and-seek with a burglar. Like, like, let's pretend we're a burglar, but then you pause and you actually hear a footstep in the hall, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Like, we didn't count on that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like ancient thinkers would talk about very pedantically like man's quest for God. But then it's like, oh, did we actually expect to find him? Or like maybe more frightening, expect him to find us and break in. Secretly a man's quest to become God. Yeah, yes, 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 exactly. So all that to say is in this brief podcast episode, (laughs) as the joke used to go here, like we're going to solve all these problems. All I'd like to do briefly is try and clear up a common misconception among believers and non-believers alike about miracles. And part of the goal here is to at least hopefully help us grant the reasonableness of miracles. Okay. To look at them and say, well, that's not unreasonable. Hmm. Because the common misconception I'm thinking of is this, that a miracle is an act, occurrence, you know, event, whatever term you want to use for that. Yeah. That violates the law of nature. For sure. That breaks it. Definitely. Okay. So if you take a rather innocuous example. The law of nature, broadly considered, says that the forces of gravity always pull things down. And I'm probably not stating that, like, with complete scientific accuracy, but I think we all get the point, Lame right? understand. Yes. And therefore, mm. levitation is either a violation of that law yeah. or is otherwise impossible. Yeah. It's like if someone said, like, oh, I levitated. Like, mm, no, you didn't. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, like, nope, not a chance, right? <laughs> now, what I want to contend in the spirit of the church fathers, medieval scholars, and Christians ever since, like Edward, C.S. Lewis, etc., who have taught that that particular view of miracles is a confused understanding of what they are. Mm. They would argue that miracles are not violations of natural law, but rather what happens when the, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but even what the so-called laws of nature are superseded. Mm. And here's what that means. Because when I say so-called laws of nature, we're also smuggling in typically assumptions that like the laws of nature are actors. The laws of nature are not actors. Even that term laws implies a legislator behind Mm. them, right? It's like like the laws of nature never do anything. They just act upon things that have already happened. Mm. Now I'm starting to get sidetracked. So let me me come back. Here's what we're talking about when we say miracles are not violations of the laws of nature. They're simply if we might call it, interruptions or supersessions of them. Imagine you have a perfect pool table, okay? okay. It's it's perfectly proportioned. The felt is, everything is perfect. Love a, love a fresh you know? felt. Yeah, it's, it's Plato's ideal form of the pool table, okay? <laughs> <laughs> right? Sorry, I could resist. So you're, you're at this pool table playing a game of eight ball, mm-hmm. and you hit the cue ball so that it strikes the eight ball, yeah. okay? You do this. This is what you do when you're playing pool. Mm-hmm. Now, natural law says something like the momentum and force that's transferred to the eight ball when it is struck by the cue ball is proportional to the momentum and force 
of the cue ball when it strikes the eight ball. Okay, so that was a lot going on there. But do you see the picture? Like the speed at which and the momentum at which the cue ball strikes the eight ball is going to be transferred proportionally to the eight ball. This is just how our our world functions. Yeah, that's that's physics, Mm -hmm. right? All things being equal. Yeah. And that is a key qualifier. Okay. All things being equal. So if you have the perfect pool table and you, let's just say you also hold all the mathematical factors in your head. Yeah. Let's say you're Zach McCord and you know all that. That would be our audio engineer, Zach McCord. You can practically prophesy if I strike the cue ball at this angle with this force, you take all that together, you can predict, you can practically prophesy where that eight ball is going to end up. Sure. All things being equal, Mm -hmm. right? Not if it's me, that's for sure. (laughs) A better player could. (laughs) Right. Now let's add another dimension though. Let's say you hit the cue ball and as it's rolling toward the eight ball, there's a bump in the felt. Yeah. Okay. Sounds that like you, did, you weren't aware of. That's going to throw off your understanding of what happened. You're like, well, the laws of nature, like what happened? Well, nothing happened, right? There was just a felt. Don't blame there's the player. The felt. Blame the felt. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> That's what Ethan says and he always says it. <laughs> so anyway, so is that making sense so far? I realize yeah. I'm asking that into the ether mm. to listeners who can't answer because <laughs> there's a lot going on there, right? Yeah, there's but, certain, and we're going to call them laws, but there are certain yeah. things that we come to understand, govern the world around us, and it's why these things happen. That is what's familiar to us. Yes, and if nothing changes or there aren't, Mm. like, divots in the felt, you can know, basically, what's, yeah, like, outcomes of certain actions. Like, you put input X and you're going to get output Y. Like, that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Very broadly speaking. Now, let's add one more dimension to our little perfect pool table scenario here. Okay. Let's suppose you hit the cue ball and as it's rolling toward the eight ball, I reach in and snatch the cue ball off the table. Why would you do that? (laughs) Because I'm really angry at you. You're about to win the game. (laughs) If that happens... The laws of physics still have not been violated, right? Even though like, okay, let's say like I hit the cue ball. I had all the factors in my head perfectly. And I knew when I hit it, it was going to strike the eight ball at this angle. And it was going to go into the left corner pocket. Yeah. But then I reach in and pull the cue ball out. Mm. The laws of nature were not violated by that action. Right. Like all things being equal, if the process hadn't been interrupted, the eight ball would have gone into the left corner pocket. But I interrupted. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't violate. I just superseded what was happening. Okay. Right? Yeah, Does that yeah, make yeah. sense? That yeah, terminology? Yeah. Again, I'm, I realize this may be like, well, what are we talking about here? But like, I didn't violate anything. I just superseded. You could say I violated the rules of the game. <laughs> right? But different yeah, issue. Yeah. You didn't invert the laws of nature. You did not cause something to happen that, that conflicts with our understanding of the natural world. Yes, precisely. That was okay. that was perfectly put. Now, the point here then is that miracles are in a sense analogous to what we just described okay. with the hand snatching the cue ball mid-roll. No law is violated or broken in a miracle, right? And in the case like here, again, to your point, the cue ball, the cue ball doesn't go shooting into the sky yeah. for reasons we know not when I touch it, right? But the expected result, if the cue ball had not been interrupted in its course, has changed dramatically. Yeah. Okay? I have a few observations about this scenario. First of all, I wish I was better at pool. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't we all? It's really rough. (laughs) But I feel like this so strongly comes against the whole idea that a miracle must completely subvert the laws of nature to be a miracle. Yes. And like, this is, okay, this is exciting. So this new definition implies that the involvement of God is therefore not contrary to nature at all. 
Precisely. And if that's the case, does that mean our traditional understanding of miracles treats God as unnatural? Okay, so what you're asking is if the common conception we hold in our head is that a miracle is a violation of the law of nature, are we then subtly saying God is unnatural? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think we're, we're implying like the legislator does not act in accordance with the laws he laid down. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If I might put it that way. Yeah. Or even like put it the way Jesus did when he said in he was making a different point, but I think it applies, is when he says in the Gospel of John, I do nothing except what I see my father doing. Mm. Like he's not acting out of accord with what his father does. Even come back to the so-called laws of nature point. Those laws of nature continue to work, not because they're an arbitrary power in of themselves. It's because God continues, we're going to argue, to sustain them. Mm -hmm. And we're going to come back to that here in a little bit. So take the case of the virgin birth. Yeah. Normally, in the process of natural law, mm-hmm. for a woman to conceive a child, husband and a wife go out to dinner, have a lovely conversation, go back home, one thing leads to another, and pesto, positive pregnancy <laughs> test. <laughs> right? That's how it happens, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know? You do have two daughters. <laughs> That's right. It's just it's magic, like the perfect date. And the, oh, that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. But no, like in the in the process of Conception, an egg has been fertilized and a human being has been conceived. That's how it works, right? <laughs> we just had to fast forward on a few details. Yeah, you all know how this works, right? You know, <sighs> if I want to be really crude about it, you know, like an infinitesimal particle from the man unites yeah. an infinitesimal yeah. particle from mm-hmm. a woman. And out of that, suddenly a boy is born who has his dad's hair and his grandpa's hairline. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great, great, great way to put it. Okay, so that's normal. Like, that's been the case for all of human history. Even in the miracle of Sarah's birth, which we would call miracle, she's past the normal point of conception, Mm -hmm. the normal age that we would consider natural. When God gives her conception, it's still through Abraham and Sarah having normal marital relations, right? (laughs) Okay, it's just, oh, it happened beyond what we consider the natural time frame for that to be possible. But then Mary comes along and she says she's conceived without any of that happening. Mm. No relations. That's a tough She has not known a man. Right. Yeah. And Joseph, who is, here's another point that kind of frustrates me is everyone thinks of pre-enlightenment people as like knaves and idiots who didn't understand how the world worked. (laughs) Right. Joseph knows. Oh yeah. You can't have a child without the normal relations. So he says... I think not. Let's divorce quietly. As you you would. Yeah, as you would. Yeah. But then the angel comes and says, no, she's right. She's with child, in essence, by a miracle, right? Now, what makes this a miracle is that the normal process, all other things being equal, has been superseded, but no law has been violated. Okay. Right? So it's not like out of nothing, Jesus, the God-man, suddenly sprouts. Yeah. Like he just materializes out of nothing Mm -hmm. to come save the world. What has been superseded is the infinitesimal particle that comes from the man. In other words, God has just skipped one of the instruments. But everything else is completely, quote unquote, natural. Mary's egg is fertilized. It grows in the womb. It, you can think about this, Jesus, the God-man, has Mary's DNA in heaven right now. You know what I mean? That's crazy. So it it follows the normal process. He's born into the world. The miraculous part of it is just that one of the normal instrumental steps was skipped. Mm -hmm. By the way, again, just to reinforce this, God is always giving conception, right? Like, again, the the particles meeting is not happening outside of, like, God's jurisdiction, where he's like, sure. oh, that just, that happened apart from my sustaining power and word, right? It's just, he has the ability to supersede Mm -hmm. a step because he is supernatural. 
that's the whole term supernatural like above nature Ooh, controlling cool. nature like all what that an interesting right? connection yeah <laughs> yeah you yeah. know what i mean everything about that pregnancy and birth and life was still subject to the laws of nature as we know them yes exactly i'm sure exactly. everyone would have thought would have been more convenient <laughs> If it wasn't the case. <laughs> right, yeah. Not least of all, Jesus. Yeah. You know, like the divine son. And this is what you see all throughout the miracles of scripture. Yeah. And again, I'm only touching the surface here. Um, we could do, well, maybe we will, all series on this whole idea of miracles and how they work. Mm. But take another miracle, the wine at the wedding of Cana, yeah. John 2, the water that turns into wine. Water is always turning into wine by quote unquote natural processes, mm -hmm. right? Like the rains fall from the sky, they get absorbed into the vineyard, right? The vineyard drinks up the water, grapes come, and then you crush the grapes, you ferment the juice, mm. and you get wine. Yeah. But that's just, wine is water that's been modified, right? I mean, like that's- It's fun water. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, you know, that's uh, Russian vodka. Yeah. The diminutive vodka, like precious water, fun water, you know. Oh my gosh. Um, but anyway, so yeah, like water is turning into wine all the time. So when you get the miracle in John 2 at Cana, you're just superseding some steps. That's the miracle is yeah. like, I can turn the water into wine without having to do all that. Mm -hmm. But he didn't turn water into milk, you know, <laughs> yeah. which I, I suppose you could make the case water turned into milk too, you know, with the cows and the hydration and all that, you know, whatever you want to make. There are far like, many more proximate say this, like, He did that. not turn water into bricks. <laughs> okay. Um, which yeah. comes back to another point that I think it was one of the church fathers brought up, or maybe it was C.S. Lewis. I get them confused in my head all the time. But... <laughs> That's why I think Jesus wouldn't turn stones into bread when Satan tempted him. Oh. Because stones don't turn into bread. That does not happen. No, they do not have that reputation. No. <laughs> right? But if you go and you read the miracles in Scripture, you can kind of see yeah. this recurrent theme. It's not like the kind of miracles you read about in some fairy tales where it's like, again, you have an empty table and then food just spontaneously appears mm. out of like nothing ex nihilo, right? Yeah. Like the miracles in scripture, there's like a process that makes sense. It's just that part of it has been superseded mm. in some way. Yeah. And I will conclude with this before we wrap this up is to say that someone might listen to this. And again, I can only say so much. We may just need to come back and redo this because now my mind is spinning on like <laughs> all the different ways we do this. But someone might say, what about the resurrection? Oh. Because it is not in the nature of things to rise again mm. from death. And what we want to say there is actually death is the interruption oh. to the natural order, right? Like death is the enemy. And that the resurrection of Christ in particular is the event to which all of nature and all of scripture was pointing mm. all along, right? Even in, again, creation itself, yeah. Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it doesn't bear any fruit. There is something even written into quote unquote natural law itself yeah. that spells of death and resurrection. Yeah. But again, that would take a whole episode, like to really get into the weeds of what that means and how that works. And then C.S. Lewis talks about the differences between the miracles of old creation and the miracles of new creation. Ooh. So like walking on water as yeah. a miracle of the new creation. Anyway, we may just need to come revisit that. But That's interesting. All that said, hopefully we've provided a different conceptual framework yeah. for approaching miracles in general. And one that hopefully merits at least a little bit of thought if we've been struggling through this, you know, is one final thing. Zoologists thought it was a given, a natural law, so to speak, that all swans were white until they found a swan that was black. And then that interrupts the current understanding. Because yeah. remember, we're not omniscient. We don't know everything. <laughs> so at the very least, hopefully we can walk away from this 
equipped with our faith bolstered and a willingness to say that miracles are not utterly unreasonable mm. as understood in the Christian articulation of them. Yeah. So thanks as always for listening. If you did find this helpful and you want to leave us an honest five-star review in the Apple podcast platform, that would be miraculous. <laughs> nice and natural hopefully i don't know if you want to ask us a question on this or any other topic you can also email us mm-hmm. at podcast at horizonschurch.net thank you as always for listening and we will catch you next time